Hello, everyone, and welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. My name is Art Burns. I'm very excited to be here with you on this, the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. It's really a pleasure to be here to talk to you today. Um, so first things first, uh, I want to just let you know that uh, I, I woke up this morning. I didn't have hundreds and hundreds of people signing up for my uh, self-compassion course, so of course, the only the only answer could be that there's a problem with the link, <laughs> okay? Um, but then I actually tested the link, and no, there's no problem with the link. <laughs> but actually, there was there was something that was going on with it. So so if you have tried to register and you were not successful, send me an email, okay? Or or try again. I think I fixed it. Uh, but send me an email if you had any trouble. Um, and if you haven't signed up yet, well, you know. There it is. <laughs> I will put a, uh, a link in the description uh, to the um, uh, to the, the registration link uh, to, to register for the course. OK, it's, I'm sorry. A link to the landing page where you can register and pay for the course. All right. So um, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, I hope you all are meeting the day with uh, with kindness and compassion and presence and acceptance and really, most of all, curiosity, right? Because as I tell you here all the time, you know, it's really, you know, curiosity is an opening process, right? Curiosity, we, you know, when we ask questions, we're, we're opening something, right? But when we make statements, we're closing things down, right? We're either expanding a potential with something like curiosity or asking questions and being inquisitive, or we're closing down potential by assuming things or, or, you know, kind of, um, leading with the answers before the questions kind of thing. And so, so I hope that you're able to today and every day in your moment to moment experience, I hope that you're able to, um, to find a way to be curious about what's happening inside and around you and all the time, because this is a really, really powerful aspect um, to this work that we do here and, and a really powerful tool uh, that helps you to ground into the present moment, right? Because the other thing that curiosity is really, it kind of comes back to the present moment, right? Because you're curious now, right? You're not saying, oh, I'm going to be curious about that thing that's going to happen next week or something like that, right? No, we don't do that. We're curious in the moment, just like we're compassionate and kind in the moment. You'll notice that most of the positive emotions and most of the positive sort of aspects of our mind are the things that happen in the present moment. And most of the um, negative aspects, and that's not necessarily, oh my gosh, what was that? That's not to say that the negative is bad, <clears throat> right? But most of the negative emotions that we experience are, are pulling us away from the present moment, right? Things like shame are rooted in the past, where things like fear are rooted in the future, right? Anger can be both, <laughs> right? And so so it's it's very helpful for us to, again, to, to dwell in the present moment. And that's the thing, right? If we can dwell in the present moment with curiosity, with acceptance, with compassion and kindness, well, then everything else kind of takes care of itself, right? Because again, it's never about not feeling a negative emotion, right? As Barbara Friedrichsen says, um, you know, the, the negative emotions are just as, well, they're, they're as important as the positive emotions but not maybe in the same proportion, right? Like, yes, we want to have more positive emotions than negative emotions because that's the sign of well-being, physically and emotionally, right? But, okay, but 
if we didn't have some of those negative emotions, then life would feel very thin. Life would feel very um, almost like a paper cutout, if you will. It would it would lack depth and it would lack true connection, right? And, and to a very in a very real way, <clears throat> pardon me. You know, while it's not about avoiding negative. Um, uh, emotions and it's not about um, you know banishing them or, or or muscling your way through them right instead it's about um, it's it's about letting them do what they're supposed to do right and that's the thing right that, that while I say that that the the negative emotions like shame for instance is is going to bring you into thinking about that thing that happened that's making you feel shame right and so you're going going to go back into the past a lot, right? But the thing is that when your body's feeling shame or anger or fear or any other emotions that are on that sort of negative side of the of the line, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> your biological imperative at that point is to move back towards the positive emotions, right? Because the positive emotions, again, as much as they represent being present in the moment, they also represent well-being and health and healing and growth, right? When you're experiencing positive emotions, then then your body is in a place of, of openness and, and growth potential and, and, and healing and, and wellness, right? But when you're in a negative emotion that, you know, any of the negative emotions, really what they're going to do there's a threshold at which they will cross and, and cause stress in your body. And that is not healing. That is not growth. That is not well-being. That is all the things that are opposite to that. <clears throat> so, so it's not about avoiding the negative emotions, but it is allowing us to, to be motivated back to the positive emotions. Hope that makes sense, right? And, and but but most of all, <clears throat> most of all, what it is is just being aware of it, right? Because because if I'm aware, wow, I'm I'm in this negative emotional place, right? Then I can work with it, right? I don't have to run back to the positive emotion. It's also not about that, right? It's not again, it's not about escaping. It's about okay, what is this negative emotion trying to get me to do? Right. Like if I'm feeling shame, you know, it's getting me to do what? Right. If I'm feeling anger, that's getting me to do what? And anger is getting me to act. Right. Shame is getting me to withdraw. Right. Fear is getting me to hide. You know, these are all different. I mean, you could look this up. I mean, this is um, there's actually a term for this that I just learned this morning. Uh, as I was finishing um, uh, Kristen Neff's book on self-compassion and she talks about just open right to the right page. Look at that. Um, so uh, <clears throat> emotion, the, the evolutionary purpose of negative emotions is to spur actions that will help us survive, eliciting powerful urges known as specific action tendencies. Anger, for instance, creates the urge to attack. Fear, <clears throat> the urge to escape. Shame, the urge to hide. Isn't that what I said? <laughs> And so on. And so, yeah, so that's right from the uh, PhD's mouth, <laughs> right? Um, or at least from her word processor <laughs> um, uh, that got through her editor. I don't know if it's even her words. <laughs> that's how how uh, convoluted life can be, right? But but again, being aware of all that helps me, right? Um, so, so again, it's not about, you know, hiding or, or escaping from those negative emotions, but allowing them to feel, okay, I'm feeling this shame, so it's making me want to hide, but is that appropriate, right? Like if I can hold that in my, in my 
conscious and non-judging awareness, now I can see like, okay, you know, this, this feeling of shame and wanting to hide might have served me at some point. It might have served me very well at some point, but here in my office, it's not serving me. Right. Like I and, and that awareness allows me then to, to work with that. Right. And that's why all of this practice is really all about just cultivating awareness, because anything you want to change, anything, whether it's changing a flat tire or changing your emotional responses to, to situations in your life, you got to become aware. Right. Like you can't change the tire if you don't know it's flat. Right. Like how many times you come out in the morning and you, when you're gone, your way to work, I mean, obviously it doesn't happen a lot, but, but maybe you come out in the morning, you see your flat tire and you think, ah, oh, darn it. If I had only known about this last night, right. If you had been aware of it sooner, you could have avoided this conflict of having to change a tire as you're late for work. You could have done it last night. Right. And that brings me to the the whole point today. And 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 I've kind of purposely I didn't purposely drag my feet here, but I'm I'm not sorry that I've taken so long to talk about the the emotions the way I have because it's valuable information. But also it's really kind of a quick point that I want to make that's in the remainder of this um this uh segment. And I say that now, of course, but I I'll bet you ten dollars <laughs> I'll run over, you know. Um so anyway, what I wanted to talk about was exactly, you know, as I just said, right, that, that it's, it's all about, you know, let me, let me back up again. So one of the things that I hear so often in, in, as I'm teaching people mindfulness and compassion practices and, and teaching them about emotional intelligence and teaching them about the way the brain works and all that stuff, and this is all stuff we're going to cover in the self-compassion course um, that starts next Saturday, week from today, actually almost to the minute, because <laughs> um, uh, I'm recording this at like 2.30. Yeah, so about half an hour ago, uh, the class would have started. But anyway, um, will have started. Anyway, um, you know, the idea is, and the thing that I hear so often when I'm teaching these, these practices is, gosh, Art, that seems too simple to be effective. Are you sure this is going to work? I mean, I, I like if I had ten dollars every time I heard that, I don't know, I'd have like a couple hundred dollars, you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe five hundred dollars, something like that, because I've heard it over and over and over and over, right? And and my answer to them, my answer to anybody who says that is very simple. That you know, yes, what we say in this in this work is that it's simple, but it's not easy. And that usually gets people. Like, oh, okay, I get that. Yeah, okay. Okay, that I can understand. And so the other day I was actually riding my bike and thinking about this and I was trying to kind of come up with a um a conciliant idea about how, you know, simplicity, right? Like the the sort of beauty of simplicity because that's the thing, right? When we break things down to their most prime level, right? That's when we're most you know, we have the most power over those things, right? It's like, it's like the more simple something is, the more easy it is to work with, the more straightforward it is, the more intuitive it can be, right? When things get complicated, that's when we have trouble understanding. We might do something that causes a problem that we didn't expect, right? Simplicity is clean. Simplicity is, is neat, right? Not just neat as in like a tidy room, but it's neato, you know, because you can, you know, to be simple, 
There's a real beauty in that. Now, that's the thing, though. Simplicity doesn't mean, I mean, it means simple, but within that simplicity, we can have complexity, right? And, and this is what I was thinking about on, my, on my, um, my bike ride the other night. As I mentioned to you uh, yesterday, I think, on Thursday of this week, I was in a, a, a class with Dan Siegel, Dr. Dan Siegel, world-renowned uh, psychologist, researcher, medical doctor, the whole thing, author, you know, best-selling author, really like on my, you know, I mean, he's like my nerd crush like i love the guy you know and uh and i got to read a poem with him which was just absolutely just beautiful um but anyway i started to think for i don't know why i brought that course up now i just i see i got distracted thinking about dan siegel like you know birds flirting in my head um but um but anyway i was on my bicycle oh oh that's what it was during this during this call i got to read a poem with dan and then with somebody else who was having a hard time like feeling into his body he had a guitar in the background of his office just like his was on the wall mine's on a stand but you know and dan said well if you pick that guitar up behind you and you play it can you feel into your body as you're doing that and the guy was like yeah i guess so. he's like can you do it now for us and he literally had the guy bring his guitar up the wall and play a couple of tunes, a couple of chords from a tune. And the tune he played was Blackbird by the Beatles, right? Which is one of the most beautiful songs, right? Like, like, like if you're my age, anywhere close to my age, you grew up listening to that song and, and loving it, right? I mean, it's like, who doesn't love that song? It's so beautiful. I mean, I'm not saying you have to love the song. Maybe you don't. That's cool. But, but you will agree that it is a a beautiful song and, and, and like kind of a, it has a, a level of emotional depth to it. Right. But that song, just like all the Rolling Stone songs, just like all the John Prine songs. I mean, John Prine will go down as one of the greatest songwriters in the history of the world. And he never wrote a song that had more than three chords to it. And again, that's true of the Rolling Stones, it's true of the Beatles, it's true of the Grateful Dead, the, you know, all of these, you know, classic rock that we listen to. And of course, the new music is not any different, right, in, in this way. You know, yes, there are some rock and roll songs that have six or seven chords that are a little more complex. Yes, definitely, right? But the thing is that rock and roll alone, the, the beauty of rock and roll is that it is simple. And that anybody can do it, right? You don't have to study for 20 years like a classical musician needs to do to, to be able to, to really excel. Like you can play great rock and roll in a matter of months, right? Because it's simple. And that simplicity allows for the complexity to live inside of it. And that's really one of the most beautiful things about my favorite guitarist is Jerry Garcia, right? That, again, his stuff was not complicated, because it was just following a very simple three chord, you know, pattern. But yet what he did within that simplicity was enormously complex, right? Same thing with the Stones, same thing with the Beatles, same thing with all of the, every Western music you can name, right? If you ask any classical musician, they'll say that rock and roll songs are simple. They're silly simple. They're like child's play. 
But yet we all know that there's masterpieces, right? Like again, John Prine will go down as one of the greatest songwriters in the history of the world. Not just the U.S. He is known throughout the world. And he never wrote a song that had... He actually says that in one of his concerts, that <laughs> a recording of which I, I've, I've listened to. I'm going to leave you with this. Is that uh, he played this song called uh, Grandpa, Grandpa Was a Carpenter. And, you know... <laughs> And after the song, he goes, he goes, yeah, I guess when I started playing, I, I, I learned those first three chords and I figured I never need to know anymore <laughs> or any other ones. Right. So so he just, you know, that's the thing. Right. And so the idea here is that that, you know, especially when it comes to mindfulness practices, but when it comes to anything in your life, you know, embrace the simplicity. Don't sell. Don't you know, write off simplicity as meaningless or inferior or dumb. Simplicity can be really, really beautiful. And it really, you know, and that's the thing. Life is simple. And it is only when we start complicating life that we start getting in trouble. But if we can just do like John Prine and keep it just straight up three chords then let the words and let the beautiful flow and the, the lead guitars, let all that stuff be the exciting stuff, right? But keep things simple. Like just noticing what's happening in the present moment and doing so without judgment and with curiosity, with compassion and with kindness and acceptance. What could be more simple than that? All right, everybody, I'll see you in the next segment. go long on that last segment didn't i <laughs> i knew it i knew it oh my gosh that's so funny um so i hope you enjoyed that last segment about uh simplicity and about really the beauty of simplicity and, and really about like the advantage of simplicity right and so along those lines, I want to talk about something that this is certainly among the many, many things that we're going to cover in my uh, self-compassion course. And this is a big, big part of it. OK. Um, and yes, I'll probably use the same metaphor. So, you know, consider it, uh, you know, look out for a spoiler alert here, maybe. Um, but but the thing is that, you know, in a lot of ways. Right. And this is really the kind of uh, concept behind self-compassion. Right. And, and not just compassion, because, uh, you know, I don't know if I should even get into this now. I'll get into it just a little bit, but we'll probably talk about this again in the next couple of days in another episode. Right. Because, you know, there's there's a distinct difference between kindness and compassion. They're very, very similar and they're very closely related to one another. And in fact, they they facilitate each other in a certain way. But it's helpful to understand the difference, too, right? It's helpful to understand that kindness, and just as a very basic thing, and we'll get further into this another time, but, but kindness is something that we can show to everyone, right? Like anytime, anyone, or anything even, right? And, and to be specific, like I have a, a client who, I think I mentioned this to you the other day, that, that he, he goes through his life, you know, being kind to the objects in his life. Right. So does this little pad of post-its, does it like the way that I'm using it, the way that I'm handling it? It's a beautiful concept. Um, but that's the thing. Right. Kindness is just you give it out. Right. It's just it's always, you know, 
there's no need there's no there's no trigger that has to happen in order for us to feel kindness okay and so and so so or to express kindness is really the the point feeling it yes but but expressing it also right um whereas compassion compassion is it's a response to suffering right i mean the word itself i talk about this all the time right i'm sure i've said it to you and i've said it to so many other people everybody i teach compassion to this comes up that the the very word compassion comes from the latin cum pare c-u-m uh new word p-a-r-e right which is to which the the meaning of which is to suffer with right so compassion you know, again, it's a response to suffering. So therefore it requires, in order for us to feel compassion to somebody or something, it requires that there be suffering present in that person or thing. That doesn't need, that doesn't have to be so for, for kindness, right? Kindness is just something we do no matter whether somebody's suffering or not, right? You know, and, that, and that's where kindness is kind of an attitude that we can lead with, right? We can, we can lead ourselves just like, Hey, all things being equal, I'm going to be kind all the time. And then that's what I mean by facilitating compassion, because if I'm kind to everyone, then I'm much more likely to notice somebody else's suffering and then extend that suffering, you know, extend that compassion to respond to that suffering. Here's the thing. Most people will consider themselves kind or, uh, you know, I think most people think they're kind, but maybe it's more that they're nice and there's a difference, right? But let's not get too caught up on that just right now either, okay? The point that I'm making is, is beyond that. And we'll talk about that also in another time because I think most people feel like, well, I'm a nice guy, you know, so it's almost like we, it's a cop out, right? Like, Hey, I'm nice to people. Right. But are you kind? Right. There's a difference. Okay. Because nice is kind of like, that's just how you, you know, kind of the words you use, the, the actions you take, whereas kindness is something that is, again, it's an, an attitude that comes from deep within us that, that just flows, right? It's not because also people who are nice oftentimes will, you know, they'll draw a line. If somebody's not nice to them, they're not nice to that person anymore, right? And so that's, that's where it gets a little tricky. Again, we'll go into that in detail in another time. But for right now, what I want to draw your attention to is the fact that, you know, it, it's not about whether it's kind or nice or compassionate or kind. Let, let's leave all that aside. The point is that most of us feel that we are those things, but yet we're not those things to ourselves, okay? And there's lots of reasons for that, right? There's, I mean, you know, there's whole books written about why that is, right? But the important thing is to understand not so much why it is that that exists, but why, you know, how it is that we can change it and why it is that we would want to change it. Okay. Because this is a very, very important, um, uh, lesson here, right? Because, 
you know, I often I often use the um, the scenario like imagine you're walking through a mall, you know, it's not really crowded and, you know, you're, it's like middle of the week in the middle of the day. It's like almost empty the mall. But there is one person walking towards you and uh, and she's carrying a couple of bags. And, you know, if it wasn't so empty, you would barely notice this person. Like, there's nothing special about her at all. Right. And as you're about to cross each other's paths, so, you know, she's walking towards you, you're walking towards her, and, and about 10, 15 feet before you cross paths, all of a sudden this woman steps in a puddle of melted frozen yogurt and she takes a digger. She goes right down, her bags go flying, she may even like bloody her nose a little bit. In that moment, even people who don't consider themselves nice or kind or compassionate, in that moment, most of us, almost all of us, like 99% of us, will stop what, our, what we're doing. We will bend down. We will first, because we're mammals, most likely we're, we're likely to put a hand on that person, right? Like, you know, let them know we're there. That's how we communicate with each other. It's not just words. It's not just non-visual communication. It's also our touch, as mammals, that's what we do. Same with our dogs. That's why dogs like to curl up with you. They want to feel you, right? And same with cats, right? They want to feel your body. That's important to mammals. And it's important to you. And you have this ancient instinct that will, be, without you even knowing, you'll probably put your hand on this person and say, hey, it's okay. I'm here for you. Are you okay? Do you need help? What can I do for you? right? That's compassion, right? You're noticing their suffering and you're, you're offering some way to, to relieve that suffering. Okay. Now in this little thought experiment, I will then say, okay, so we're good with that, right? We're going to offer compassion to the poor woman who fell in front of us. Now let's pretend that there was no woman there in the mall, but instead it was you, walking all along, except there's, there's still somebody passing you, or, or let's say, yeah, same scenario, same woman, same you, but instead of the woman stepping in the, in the uh, frozen yogurt and falling, you stepped in the frozen yogurt and you fell, okay? At that moment, <laughs> right, instead of consoling yourself and saying, oh my gosh, are you okay? I'm here for you. You're more likely to figuratively in your head stand over your, your body on the floor there with your hands on your hips saying like, oh my gosh, are you that stupid? How could you be so dumb? How could you not see that? What is wrong with you? You should be ashamed of yourself. I can't even believe you're doing this. That's the way we treat ourselves, right? And now, now again, there's a lot of reasons for this, right? The one of the most prominent reasons is that we've, you know, especially in our culture, we're 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 kind of made to believe that that being kind to ourselves and being nice to ourselves and showing ourselves compassion is going to somehow impede our progress in some level. And that that being hard on ourselves is going to actually get us to learn the lessons somehow more. I mean, first of all, research shows plainly and unambiguously that that is just BS. I mean, that just is not true, right? But secondly, you know, and this is, again, this is, we're going to talk about this a lot in my course uh, over the next eight weeks, is that when you do that, when you're beating yourself up over that, right, you're, you're again, just like we said in the last segment, right, you're, you're creating negative emotions, which are going to create negative, you know, stress effects in your body. You're going to go into distress. And, and you're, first of all, you're not going to learn anything in that place of distress. You're going to just look to survive. So you're not going to, 
you know, kind of, you're not going to be able to manage it. And then when you get out of it, you're more likely to then have other issues throughout your day. And so, so the key then is to take care of ourselves in the same way that we would take care of someone else. And I'm reminded, as Dr. Neff says in her book, and this is something I say a lot to people, I haven't said in a while, and that's why I'm really grateful for the reminder, Dr. Neff. Um, you know, if you go on an airplane, right, one of the first things they tell you on the airplane is, if we get into trouble and you see that oxygen mask pop down, you know, again, part of our instinct is to, hey, I got to help the person next to me first, right? Especially if it's one of my children, right? Like, I got to take care of my kid first. Like, are you kidding me? I would never think of myself before my child. But guess what? If you don't put that oxygen mask on yourself, then while you're trying to struggle to get that mask on your child, you might pass out from lack of oxygen. And if you pass out from lack of oxygen, then you are not able to help your child. So, so even though it might seem selfish and it might seem indulgent for us to show ourselves kindness and compassion, what it really does is that kindness and compassion we show to ourselves enables us to bring kindness and compassion out to the rest of the world. Again, it's very simple. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope uh, I hope it helps. I hope you get some information. And I hope I see some of you sign up for my course on starting next weekend because I'm really excited about this course. I mean, this is going to be like one of the best ones I've ever done. I, I can feel it. It might be the best I've ever done. Um, I mean, you all know, many of you on my list know that I did some, uh, some stress seminars way back when. Um, and the programs that came out of that have all been amazing. But this, I am fired up. <laughs> I really cannot, I, I can't even explain to you how excited I am about it. So um, so I hope I get you excited too over the next few days. And I hope I get to see some of you because I'd love to also meet you. I'd love to see what you look like and, and kind of, you know, put a face to the name. And, and, uh, and, and most of all, though, I would love to help you. I would love to help you to understand and, and to, to cultivate the most amazing, beautiful, you know, thing that is self-compassion. It really is that amazing. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in tomorrow. Have a great day.